Here's our eighth look at the series, Teach Us to Pray. Teach Us to Pray. Well, you understand my heart in this series tonight. And it's not that you get a whole bunch more information on how to pray, but that God would come by his spirit and he would grip our hearts with the beauty and wonder and just give me a second here, wonder and joy of, uh, of prayer. Max Licato said this, and I share this quote with you. Our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. I know that some people are reluctant to pray because they feel, they think that uh, they just can't pray well enough for it to matter. Maybe get me a handheld here, somebody. Uh, they can't pray well enough to be heard or listened to. But the truth of the matter is when you sit down with your own dad, Thank you. When you sit down with your own dad, when you sit down with your own dad, uh, you don't worry if you've got a brilliant enough vocabulary. You don't worry if uh, you're gonna be eloquent enough. You just talk to dad because he's your dad. And so I want you to encourage, I want to encourage you to just step out and uh, really learn to pray. So Luke chapter uh, 11, verses one to four, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. I'm amazed when the disciples looked at the life and ministry of Jesus, their greatest felt need, their greatest felt need was, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. I hope as I sit in front of you today that you too share this need, this felt need in your hearts to learn to pray. 
And that's not about getting a bunch of fancy words in your repertoire. Matthew uh, chapter 6, let me read it to you. Uh, it's not on the PowerPoint, but Jesus said when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father, who's in secret. And your Father, your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up a bunch of empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Friends, would you throw away that concept you have? I can't pray. I can't pray out loud. I can't go to prayer meetings. I don't know how to pray good enough. We're not praying to each other. We're praying to him. We don't need a bunch of phrases that are lined up perfectly. You're not even heard because you've got all the perfect words and you know the many words to throw in to sound really spiritual when you pray. That's not when God hears you. Don't be like them. You have a father who just delights in you sitting down and talking to him, sharing your heart with him. So as I, uh, and this may be our last message in this series, maybe. Um, I am impressed with the progression in this, uh, in this prayer. And that the progression takes us through the three primary components of our lives. And the first part, the first component of prayer in our lives is our relationship with our Father. So what does it say about our relationship with God? Number one, Father. Father. Father, hallowed be your name. When we go into God's presence, we hold God's name as holy. We don't take it in vain. We regard it as high and important and powerful. It addresses our relationship with God. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Come your kingdom. When we go into God's presence in prayer, one of the reasons we go there is to set aside our need to, to govern our lives, our need to be in control of things, our need to be in charge of things, our need to get our own way. We get into God's presence and we recognize our relationship with God is one where we come under his authority. And we say to him, come your Kingdom, come your kingdom. And Matthew's record of this prayer, which Jesus taught much earlier in his ministry, but Matthew's record of this prayer then adds the phrase, uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the first thing this prayer does uh, is it talks to us about our relationship with God. 
And then the second component it then takes us into is our relationship with the world we live in. Our relationship with the world. And we pray this, give us this day our daily bread. <laughs> There's a great lesson here. Jesus says this at the end of Matthew chapter 6. Whatever the last verse is, verse 34. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The lesson here, friends, in our relationship with the world is just get before God in your prayer and say, God, help me today. Help me today. Many of us are overcome with the burden of life. Life is so hard. Life is so challenging. And friends, the reason we feel uh, overcome in, in life is because we're not doing what God has told us to do. And we're not bringing that before God in prayer. We're trying to take a year at a time or two years at a time or a lifetime at a time. God says in your relationship with this world, relax and just... Just take one day at a time. Lord, here's my needs today. Give me what I need today. Today. I told you how uh, really the only anxious time of my day generally is those two or three minutes when I wake up before I get out of bed and I start thinking about, oh no, how am I going to get everything done today? And then I just take a bit of time and I <laughs> give God my day. And I talk to him about what I need to be doing at 9 o'clock and, and what I know is happening at 10.30 and who I'm meeting at 2 o'clock and, and I just give it all to him. And somehow, as soon as I've done that, it suddenly seems manageable. One day at a time, friends. One day at a time. Ask God to be with you today. <laughs> today. And then the next thing that this portion talks about in our relationship uh, with the world is forgive us our sins. Forgive us our sins. So it's, and I, I think these are the two primary components of living well in this world. It's taking a day at a time in terms of our responsibilities. And then it's dealing with, with this propensity towards sin. And this coming to God and saying, oh God, forgive my sin. And giving it to him and hear him say back, son, you're forgiven, daughter, you're forgiven. Bringing you to this place where you recognize at the start of every day, thank God, there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. 
you get before him and you ask him to forgive your sins. He lifts the load of sin off of you and you go through the day with a lightness and a joy of heart, a joy of spirit. I uh, heard Pastor Dr. Roger Yinkins preach on on this phrase, forgive us our sins at our North Point venue last uh, Sunday evening. And in his message, he made this statement, forgiveness is irrational. Forgiveness is irrational. It makes absolutely no sense that almighty, holy, eternal God would forgive a little guy really of not much consequence in light of eternity for his rebellion and his stupidity and his sinfulness. It makes no sense. It's irrational. Why would God do that? Makes no sense, but he does it. And you need to walk in the freedom and the delight and the joy of his forgiveness. Your relationship with life, understand Father has forgiven you. I, I don't know that we understand how much Father loves us. I think parenting helps us with this. Any of you ever have a child disappoint you a little bit? Keep your hands down, come on. They're sitting with you. But it, but it, but it happens, it happens. But the other thing that, that is going on in your hearts is this grieving over their decision and the pain they're bringing into their own lives. Why do we respond that way? Because we love our kids. And Father forgives you and Father hurts with you when you get off track and he opens his arms wide to forgive you. And then this other thing happens in our relationship with this world. Sometimes people hurt us. Don't raise your hands, but have you ever been hurt? You know what God says we do when we're hurt? Next part. Forgive us our trespass as we forgive those who trespass against us. And some of you have not been able to take that step in a particular circumstance or a particular relationship that has brought you a great deal of pain because you process it and you say to yourself, it makes no sense that I should forgive them. 
You know what they've really done to me? Oh, that hurts so much. I'm not going to forgive them. They really, really... Forgiveness, friends, is irrational. It will never make sense to you. But just like God, and it's irrational, has forgiven us. We don't forgive others because it makes sense. We forgive others because they need forgiveness. And we can't afford to be carrying unforgiveness in our own hearts. We forgive others because they need forgiveness. And we forgive because we cannot afford to be carrying bitterness in our own hearts. I love the progression of this prayer. The third component this prayer takes us to is our relationship with evil. Our relationship with evil. I want to point out to you that this is the last thing you pray about. I want to point out to you that this is the last thing you pray about. about. Never start your day, never start your prayers with your eyes on evil. Get your eyes on the Father. Never start your day with your eyes on evil. Get your eyes on Father. You see, the truth is, worship simply is what you're thinking about and what you're giving value to. Don't ever give value to evil in your prayer. Don't start there. It's the last thing in this prayer, and that's where it should be. And never, never... Uh, Spend time fighting a defeated foe. That's kind of a waste of time, too. And yet, we are told to, in our praying, deal with this third component of our lives, and it is the relationship with evil. Lots of questions here. Why do I pray, lead us not into temptation? Would God lead me into temptation? I, I think the comparing scripture with scripture has to bring us to the place where, where we say a very loud no. No. No, he wouldn't lead us into temptation. The emphasis here, I think, is on lead me. Lead me. Get control of me. Get control of me. Lead me. 
Lead us. Get us in control. Because we have a tendency to take ourselves into temptation. We have a tendency to snuggle up to evil and sin. Lead me so those things do not appeal to me. They do not attract me. Do that work, O oh God, in me. John, uh, Jesus is praying for us. John chapter 17, verse number 15. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Do something in me, O oh God, that I am being kept from the, kept from the, evil one. Psalm 91, verse number 11. I, I noticed this this week as I was praying through Psalm 91. God will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. God wants to keep you. God wants to guard you from evil. Lead me. So, lead me. So I don't find it easy to say yes to temptation. Lead me. Lead me. Lead us. So we're not yielding to temptation. James chapter 1. Some pretty clear instruction here. <laughs> Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. No one should ever say that. No one. For God cannot be tempted with, his e with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Where is the problem with temptation? Where's the problem with temptation? It's me. It's me. I get lured and enticed by my own desire. Lead me, oh God, so I'm not going after, I'm not pursuing this temptation. I'm not enticed by it. I'm not lured by it. And then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And don't be tricked here. Don't be deceived here. This is how it works. This is how it works. I want to say it when he's tempted. I'm tempted of God. The simple statement in three words of James 1, 13 to 16 is is temptation plus sin equals death. Temptation plus sin equals death. So how do we, how do we handle this reality, this component of evil in our lives? 
Well, the first thing we need to understand is that sincere prayer is important. And just like you ask God, Lord, look after my needs today, and we trust God to do that, we need to pray, oh God, lead me not into temptation. We need to pray it sincerely. Lead me so, so I'm not taken off track. Lead me, oh God. I need you to govern in this area. And then we need to, in our praying, pray the scriptures. Friends, if I could teach you anything... It would be to pray the word of God. Pick your Bible up. Take portions of scripture and make them your prayer. Make them your prayer. Pray the scriptures. Psalm 119, verse number 11. Psalm 119 and verse number 11. Coming up, please. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We pray, we pray sincerely, and we get God's word in our hearts. The deeper God's word is planted in our hearts, the less enticing, the less beautiful sin seems to us. And then lastly, uh, we need to move the line. We need to move the line. I'm borrowing that phrase from Craig Groeschel. Uh, type his name in, listen to any of his sermons online anytime. They'll all do you good. We need to move the line. Anybody here uh, have some yellow tape? Turn the lights up a bit. I'm having a little trouble seeing the crowd. Any anybody here have some yellow tape? Oddly enough, I do, Pastor. <laughs> oh, you've got yellow tape? Wow! I'm glad somehow yellow. Boy, oh boy! I couldn't have planned it better, eh? I almost left it at home. Oh, well, good. Well, thanks for bringing it. Isn't it neat how God looks after things when you plan enough? <laughs> you, need to, you need to, I might need you again here, Evan, but um, you need to get the tape loosened. Father, help me to loosen the tape. That's my need today. Give me my need today. It's for loosened tape. There we are. We need to move the line. Okay, Evan, come help me. I hate to admit it, I need him. the end of that yellow piece of tape. Oh, he's good. Look at that.
Good. Thank you. Now, 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 here's the problem with most of us. Everything over there is sin. And this is how most of us live life. And we try to get as close as possible to it without going over the line. We need to move the line. Evan, I need your help. <laughs> we need to move the line. And friends, instead of living like this, Still not sitting. Sure looks good in there. Boy, it's needed. There's candles. Wow. And things I can light things up with. Mmm. We need to move the line. and stay much, much further away. Lead us, keep me, lead me not into temptation. Help me to lead myself so I'm, I'm not living like this, Lord. And I move the line. Need four volunteers very quickly. Just four. Very quickly. One, two, three. One, two, three. I need four volunteers very quickly. Thank you, Helen. And I need you up here. Form a straight line like this. Okay, get out of that evil world there, Patrick. Everybody shift this way. My goodness, you weren't listening. Huh? Okay. Hold those all the same height and go like that, Donald. <laughs> And here's the problem we have. We like to get as close to that line as you can. But God's got a much better way for you to live. Come over here, Patrick. Get away from that line. Come on, get over here. 
Stand right here. Joshua, come here. Where are you going? Come here. No, okay. What's your name again? Peter? Peter, come right in here. Friends, you can play with evil, and it'll bring you only death. Or you can move the line and say, I'm going to get as far away from evil as I can, and you're going to live like you have never lived before. You're going to experience the abundance of life there is in Christ Jesus. Move the line, friends. Move the line. Move the line. Thank you, guys. Let's stand. Worship band coming along, please. Really, there's three components in our lives. There's our relationship with Father, friends. We've been asking God to teach us how to pray. If you can just learn to go to Father, Every single day, a father who loves you deeply, a father who cares for you enormously. If you can just learn to go to the father. Don't worry about fancy words. Just enjoy him. Just sit down with him. It'll change your life. And then as we walk through... Our relationships with the world. Trust God with your needs every day. Stop worrying about next month, next year, and the next decade. Just give up. Just give them your days. Just give them your days. And He'll look after the rest. And the other part about living down here is our relationships. Live in forgiveness, friends. Don't let forgiveness trap you. Develop the irrational practice of forgiving people even when it makes no sense to you. Just do it. Just do it. And then... <laughs> Make it a regular habit. And I would do it every day. Lord, lead me. Lead me. Help me <laughs> to be led right. So I'm not trying to get as close to sin as I can. Help me to have a heart that wants you to keep me from sin. Guard my ways. Protect my ways. Because sin will mess you up. 
And Jesus hasn't come to mess you up. Jesus has come to give you life. Get rid of the evil, flip it, and learn to live in him.